Welcome to a bonus Pelicanus episode where we highlight the 2022 recipient of our Kerry Wilson Memorial Scholarship. We talked to Morgan Buellman, a school teacher in St. Louis, Missouri, and grad student with Project Dragonfly. Morgan is an everyday conservation hero that the world needs, so let's get straight to our conversation so you can hear all about the work she is doing in her community. So, Morgan, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so, you are the 2022 uh, recipient of the Carrie Wilson Memorial Scholarship. We want to say congratulations and thanks for joining us. If you don't mind, can you please uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, I am a preschool teacher in St. Louis, um, specifically in South City, which is kind of a urban, um, less suburban area. Of course, it's urban. It's um, my students are very much in need of a lot of financial assistance. We are a Title I school, so um, we qualify for a lot of different financial programs. In fact, all of our students receive free or reduced lunch. Actually, not even reduced. They receive free lunch because we are under the qualification for even getting reduced lunch. We don't meet, our, none of our students financially can meet that. Um, so all of our students get free lunch, free breakfast. Um, I previously, before I worked at the preschool, I worked at a zoo for about two years um, in education, and I majored in my undergrad in zoo science. So that was originally what I was into. Um, but now I'm a preschool teacher, and I really, really love what I do, and I can't imagine doing anything different. One thing you said that I was interested, so you used to work at a zoo. Um, and you majored in zoo science. Can you mm -hmm. just give a quick, like, yeah. what does that mean? Like, where did you so, work? Actually, oddly, I went to a university called Friends University um, and majored in zoo science. So whenever I tell somebody that's, the, this university is in Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. When I tell anyone that's not from Wichita, Kansas, that I went to Friends University and I majored in zoo science, they all assume I'm telling them a joke of some sort. <laughs> and I'm not. Um, I, so when I was younger, my passion was to work with animals and I couldn't afford to go to university right out of high school. So I went to community college. And then from there, I kind of was starting to look for schools, um, that I could afford that would be able to get me to my goal of working with animals. And I found French university and the zoo science program, which was only about three hours away from me. And I decided to go there. That was my, uh, place I thought that I was it had a lot of like hands-on experience I'd be working in the zoo with zookeepers with animals and so that was kind of like all green flags for me and I enrolled and I got my degree at, in two years and I started working at the zoo when I moved like in August so <laughs> I got there I got a job at the zoo while I was in school so and I loved it. I really did enjoy it. I only moved to St. Louis for my master's program because um, I'm with Missouri Botanical Garden. So I wanted to be closer to my institution. Yeah, and um, what what's, I might've missed it, but what, uh, what zoo did you uh, work at out of college? Um, Cedric County. It's a, it's the only zoo, well, not the only zoo in Wichita, Kansas. There's another zoo, but it's the only AZA accredited zoo in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, 
and I was in education. I really loved it. I did anything from zoo overnights to uh, working as an interpreter in farms to taking care of education animals. A good mix of everything. You get to get yeah. to work with animals, get to work with kids, get to yeah. share everything. That's cool. So what was it that made you make the move to being a teacher? So I had originally like wanted to continue to work in zoo education and continue to do, like I wanted to be the curator of a zoo, like in education. That was my goal. And that's why I started my master's program but then I had to move from my master's institution to Missouri to St. Louis. And I was looking at the zoo here and they didn't really have any job offerings for when I was applying. And so I was talking to coworkers at the zoo about it and they were like, well, maybe you should try more formal teaching, you know, like see if you like that option. And I had worked and seen preschool at our zoo at the Kent Cedric County Zoo because they had a preschool and I'd seen that and done that a little bit. And so I was like, well, maybe, I could try it. And so I started to apply for preschool positions and things. And I got reached out to by the school that I'm working for now, Confluence Charter. And um, I did an interview and they loved me and they hired me the next day. Um, so it's kind of like a, I needed a job and to be able to move. And I was excited about this new opportunity. So it's kind of like a happy accident kind of thing. And now I really, really love what I do. And it just kind of like fell naturally. Like I get so many compliments on my work every day and how well I'm doing and they love to have me around. So. Yeah, that's great. That's like, a, that's exactly what you want when you apply to a job, you get it the next day. <laughs> if not yeah. that day, you know, that's the best, best scenario you can get. And yeah, it's cool. It sounds like it's a, it was a good move. So you're, it's, it's preschool. So that's pretty <laughs> young. So, yeah. so the kids are so young. So that's like under five, right? Five yeah. and under? So four or four and five year olds is what I work with. Wow. Okay. And previously at the zoo, I'd worked with like middle school. So like eighth grade, so like 13 to about 17. So I was kind of like, I was excited to work with the younger kids because I'd never done it before and it was new. And I'd done it a little bit at the zoo, but not a whole bunch, not full time. And so I was, but I was also nervous because like, I was like, how do you talk to a five-year-old? <laughs> like, how do you, you know, like, are they, are they going to be able to like, am I going to be able to talk to them like a normal person? Um, which the answer to that is yes, <laughs> 100%. Um, they're just like little adults sometimes. You talk to them and they just go right on off about whatever it is you're talking about. Yeah, that's, that was going to be my next question was like, you know, you know, how do you how do you relate to uh, kids that are that young, especially when it comes to conservation or wildlife or anything like that? Like what what kind of strategies do you use? Um, so that's where like a lot of what I want to do. So I want to do tangible experiences with them, bringing things to them, building things with them. So, for example, we have a community garden um, in our front grass area. It's literally the only grass area we have. It's probably about four foot by maybe maybe 20 feet. It's not very large. It's very small. And so we have a community garden out there. And I we take them out and we 
let them like get their hands in the dirt and like feel the dirt. And, you know, we'll talk about the different aspects of a garden and they'll pick out like grubs and like worms and they'll be like, ew, this is so nasty. And I'll tell them, well, we need those. We need those to keep the plants alive. And, you know, you really have to give them a physical experience and show them what it's like, because otherwise they can't connect with it. It's too big of a concept for them. Like I can't, you can't even tell them, you know, elephants come from Africa because they don't understand, you know, where's Africa? What is an Africa? (laughs) But they know what an elephant is. So you can, you know, we've been talking about habitats. You can show them, you know, this is what a desert looks like. And this is kind of what an elephant lives in. And then they can understand that and get it a little bit better. And you tell them the importance of elephants, you know, just, it's kind of the same way you would talk to an older kid, but on a much lower level and with a lot of pictures and things they can touch. <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of laying the groundwork for the mm-hmm. later, more, more intensive classes <laughs> where you have to learn all the technical stuff. So that's really interesting. Yeah, because, you know, we joke about how, you know, especially my brothers and I, we're, you know, in our late 30s, but we're essentially like five, six-year-olds. <laughs> and so, which on one hand, like we're as that, we're as immature as like a six-year-old, but I personally don't even know how I could relate, relay my, my day job to a four or five-year-old. That'd be, that'd be so hard. I mean, on, I don't know. On one hand, it'd be, I feel like it'd be really difficult, but on the other hand, it's like, it all comes down to like, hey, look at that bird. Hey, look at that plant. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And so, so you use more tangible things. And so you said like getting outside, getting in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, so being a title one school, you know, what mm-hmm. uh, opportunities do you have, or, you know, locally, or is, is there opportunities for funding for field trips, those kinds of things? Yeah. So we have um, a lot of places around here. We have like outside organizations. So like our zoo is free. Our science center is free. Um, so the, we can take the kids there and all we have to pay for is the bus. Typically when we take a kid on the kids on a field trip, we try to find something that's extremely low budget because their parents don't have a lot of money to pay for that. Um, there are grants and things out there that we can apply for. Like the aquarium here has a title one grant that we can apply for and take a class out to the aquarium for free. And then they'll also pay for the buses. So then that'd be a completely free field trip. Uh, it's really just looking for opportunities for them and then filling out the grants and the paperwork. I, to support my club that I want to start, I've filled out two grants actually already. Um, so I'm crossing my fingers that I get them, but it helps it. It helps us to be a title one school because we can say, Hey, look, we're a title one school. Like, we, we really need this. We don't have any other opportunities unless you help us. Um, Cause then more people are apt to be like, oh, okay, well, well, we'll actually help you. Okay. So that's really cool with the uh, opportunities. It's kind of like an oxymoron that because I mean, we don't have to get into the whole educational system of the U S but if you're a title one school, sometimes you're able to apply for more funding or mm-hmm. get those opportunities but with, it's cool that you can have those opportunities that they're really cheap or free. So 
what is it like why do you think it's so important for such young kids to have the tangible experiences of it at a zoo or an aquarium or even in the garden learning about the grubs like you mentioned it's something that sets them up to think about it in the future um so i know the kids i work with are a lot younger but with my own experience i so the reason i got into animals is because i had a biology teacher that did a reptile club and like that's like when I think of high school, that's a highlight I think of. So even though these kids are young, when they're in middle school or high school, they'll be able to think back and be like, oh, I remember when I went to the zoo and we looked at this, or I remember when we went to the aquarium and we got to talk because they have an otter thing here that you can talk back and forth with an otter. It's a animated otter. Or, you know, they'll be like, I remember when I got to talk to the otter and, you know, they'll, they'll remember these things. And then, it kind of builds that foundation so that when they are, maybe when they're talking about otters in science class and they remember, oh, I saw the otter. I know what the otter looks like. Like it was physically in front of me. It's not always looking at a picture on a screen, um, which is unfortunately what a lot of my kids have to do because they don't get to be able to go to the zoo or the aquarium or the zoo. Even though the zoo may only be 10 minutes away and it's free, their parents might not have time and the aquarium here costs $25 per person. So parents definitely can't afford that for their whole family. Um, so it gives them more than just that picture on the screen or more than just someone talking at them. It's an experience that they'll remember that they can take with them. Yeah, it's, it's a similar thing to here in Southern California where, um, you know, especially up in LA where, where I live, there's like this areas of like Compton and Watts where there's a lot of like these types of schools, uh, you know, Bell Gardens, all these, and they're, you know, jump in a car, you're 20 minutes from the beach, but some of these kids mm -hmm. have never even seen the ocean mm -hmm. and they're literally like three miles, yeah. you know? Um, so it's a similar thing. Um, you mentioned in your, your application essay and just now that you, you know, you're, growing up, you had some of these similar experiences. And then you just talked about this reptile club. Um, can you talk about how those experiences have translated into what you want to do uh, setting up this is it, it's a nature club or how, whatever you, uh, you, you want to call it. And then tell, tell us about that club and you know what your plans are for that. Yeah, so in my experience, I so this club has formed because I had a reptile club when I was in high school that I joined and I got to go, I was in Kansas city cause that's where I grew up. And we went to the Omaha zoo, like one day on the weekend, we, the whole club got to go. And the guy that ran the reptile club, he was my, or not my English professor, my biology professor, his name was Mr. Heidi. And he had connections at the zoo. And so he, we got to go out and do behind the scenes things and like, that was where it like clicked for me. Like I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I want to be the person holding this anaconda and walking around showing people like that's, that's what I want to do. Um, and so then when I started the um, AIP program through project dragonfly, they talked about master plan and like, you know, what you want to do. And at that point I was working at the zoo and I was like, I want to create access. Like I want, you know, I was a kid that my, my family went to the zoo maybe once or twice when I was younger because we didn't have time. We didn't have the money. It was too far of a drive. 
um, so many different reasons. And so when I was working at the zoo and starting my AIP program, I was like, I want to create access for kids to be able to enjoy things like, you know, other kids that have, you know, suburban families can enjoy, uh, that they can afford, you know, families that are more financially stable can enjoy. Um, and so that's where it kind of grew out of. And then I moved from Wichita to St. Louis and I was like, well, I mean, the need is still here, but I don't know how to connect it because I'm not inside the zoo working in education. So it was a little bit tricky. And then I was like working with the kids at my charter school and I looked around and I was like, I could start it here. Like I could work with these kids and I could bring it to them instead of having to make connections with families and the zoo and like all of that. I was like, I could just, I mean, I'm, I have this whole group of kids here that need access. So I'll just give the access to them. And I thought at first I was thinking, you know, setting up scholarships so that kids could um, go to the zoo and do like zoo programs and things like that. Like, uh, but then I was thinking, I want to take it deeper than just the zoo. Like I want to get out of that. You know, I want to introduce them to conservation and all kinds of different things like ecosystems and nature and like just trees in general. Um, so then I was like, well, I'll make it a club, like a natural science club, an after school program. And it just kind of grew from there. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about a club with such young kids, but you know, yeah. It, if you can foster that kind of passion, love, whatever you want to call it, it that at that age, like, you know, even if they don't, you know, we talk about this a lot in, you know, interviews with, you know, big name people, they, they all say like, we, we need, we don't need more, shouldn't say we don't need more wildlife biologists, but like people that are like into conservation, we need people that aren't wildlife biologists or scientists mm -hmm. to be passionate about wildlife, about conservation. We need people that are bankers, that are, you know, factory workers, mm -hmm. you know, everything in the whole spectrum. So if you could set up that kind of, and even if that's just what they do on this, the, their side, you know, they have a whole life and a job and a family. And then mm -hmm. like, just like, that's what they do is like, they, they take their own family to go for hikes and, and to visit wildlife areas or whatever it is. You know, I think that's, what's so cool about your idea is, is your kind of, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, indoctrinating <laughs> uh, at, a, at a young age, getting that. Um, mm -hmm. Because I mean, I know some people aren't like outdoor people, but I, for me, it was just like, as soon as you get out there and you see it and you get to like, get to experience like a, a nature area or like you said, the zoo with like a, the otters and you get to see them in person, you know, the tangible, I mean, maybe, not, maybe not touching the otters, but uh, it, it all becomes real and it becomes something you mm -hmm. can care about. Yeah. And so the, the way I'm seeing it is that you're kind of like, so we talk about being on the front lines of conservation, you know, you know, mm -hmm. wildlife biologists and, you know, climate scientists or whatever, but you're kind of like behind enemy lines. <laughs> so you're so front lines. You're like, you're way past the front lines. So you're, you're influencing people that are going to be, you know, part of the economy and voting and, and doing all this stuff in 20, 30, 40 years. What is it within your everyday life 
whether it's at work or just kind of, you know, who you are as a person, what is it that gives you the, the inspiration, the drive to, to share your personal experiences with such young kids and kind of trying at least to instill uh, an ethic in conservation, mm -hmm. you know, wildlife with, with these, uh, these kids. It's 100% the kids, um, their faces, like when we're doing something, um, like I, we have fresh fruit every day for lunch. And so I'll tell them, you know, like, you know, we could start a compost with this fresh fruit. And they're like, well, Ms. Bielman, what is, what is a compost? Like, what is that? What is the apple going to do? You're just going to throw it in a bucket. And I'm like, well, no, if I put the apple and in, in a bucket with some other stuff and some worms, then eventually it'll be soil again. And they're like, what? No, you're crazy. And so then they go around and I watch them and they'll tell other people and stuff. So like, you shouldn't just throw this apple away. We can make compost out of it. And it's just really cute to watch them do things like that. And it's really rewarding for me to see that things are clicking for them and that they can, they can understand big people problems on a little scale. Um, so it's 100% them and like just ex and exposing them to things too. Like I have a bearded dragon and I'll take him to school sometimes with me and they're just in awe. Like <laughs> you, like you touch that, like you pick that up and I'm like, well, yeah, I pick him up every day. <laughs> and they're like, no, you don't. And it's just, just to see their little faces and see how excited they are when you show them these different things and what the world around them has to offer. It's just, it's rewarding and it keeps me going. Awesome. Well, so can you uh, talk a bit about what you're studying in your uh, the AIP program and your master's? Can you just talk about a bit about what you, whether you know exactly what it is going to be or not, your, your master uh, plan? Uh, just share that with, uh, with us. Yeah. So I'm in AIP program, which is all about inquiry, um, which is kind of it's inquiry is a hard thing and you take a whole class in the AIP program to define inquiry and it's still even after I've taken that class it's such a hard thing for me to define myself uh, I can do it like if I sit down and think about it for an hour but like on the surface for me like whenever I think about inquiry it's always about like exploration and uh, like investigating things and like really getting out there and just like seeing the world around you and asking questions and that's all that it's about you know and that's what I try to bring to the kids but then so in my studies I have um, done a inquiry project on birds in Missouri um, I've also done one on parks in urban areas such as where I work and then more suburban areas um, I used to live about 30 minutes away from where I work in more of a suburban area. And so I compared the different parks and what they look like to each other. Uh, so that was a really interesting study. The urban parks, well, some of them were pretty large. It was mostly just grass um, versus like suburban parks. I saw a lot of trees and shrubs and creeks and all kinds of things that you could explore. So that was a really interesting thing I've studied. Uh, my last class I just finished Today, I wrote for my authorship challenge, I wrote a grant um, to get funding for my club. And then I've actually turned around 
and like a week later wrote another grant <laughs> for the same thing. Uh, so it's just been very, it's exciting. And then I'm going to Paraguay this summer, um, which I'm very excited about. And I'm also doing independent study this summer to build curriculum for my club. So and my club is my master plan. Okay, cool. Yeah, because you're a, the MAT, so you're going to get a master's in teaching, right? Okay. Um, tell me more about Paraguay. What are you, uh, what's the focus of the Paraguay program and what are you uh, hoping to, to kind of look into while you're there? So Paraguay's focus is eco-leadership and I am so excited. I am excited about everything. I talked with, um, I talked with the person that leads the Belize trip because I was originally focusing on going to Belize and she, after we talked, she told me that she thought Paraguay was a better fit for me uh, because it's mostly Spanish speaking, um, which is what most of my students, my students are split between African-American and Spanish speaking. Um, so it's gonna, she said it'd be really good for me to see that kind of culture and like experience eco leadership in that culture and see how they, you know, their mindset and everything about that. Um, and it's also, she, when we talked about it, she said that there's a project at the end where you do kind of like a community fair, uh, which I was like, that's right up my alley. Like that's something I would love to do. Uh, so I'm really excited about this trip and to grow and see what else is out there. And bring those experiences back to your students. Yes, of course. And my language, the language too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Are, are you, you have any uh, skills in Spanish or? <laughs> I do. I have a good amount enough to speak to my four and five year olds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and mostly it's telling them no and the floor <laughs> is dirty. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, that's, that's awesome. I mean, everything you're doing sounds great, um, you know, and again, the, we, we started this program last year and we're, we're super, super happy to be able to, to do this. And I know that you know, what's really cool is we're able to get the family involved in the uh, um, application process. So they helped with reviewing uh, the, the applications. So they're, they're on board and, you know, that was super important for us is to make sure the family is, is, is good mm -hmm. with everything. And, you know, we, we think that, uh, you know, there's so many people that applied that we would be so happy to help <laughs> and, you know, being as small as we are, uh, we would love to help out more people. And, but everyone, you know, most people that applied, you know, I just know that if we were able to help that Carrie would be super happy and proud to help. And, you know, we're just trying to pay it forward from all the help that she's, given so many people in the past. So Morgan, congratulations again. And, you know, thank you so much for your time. And, you know, we, we really, maybe we'll get to check in with you in like a year or so before you finish and, you know, hear more about your, your studies in Paraguay and, and how your, your, uh, your, your club has worked out. Yeah. Thank you. I'm extremely honored to receive the scholarship. I, like I said, I can't imagine I wouldn't have been able to receive the scholarship what I would have done. So I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Well, great. Yeah. And the only thing we ask is to, you know, use it, pay it forward. And it sounds like you're already doing it anyway. So <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Yeah. Thank you so much.
want to say thank you so much to Morgan for taking the time to talk with us and for all of the amazing work she's doing in her community. The Carrie Wilson Memorial Scholarship will be open again for applications for Project Dragonfly students in the spring of 2023. Check out our pelicanus.org scholarship page for more information. Now, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that takes tax-deductible donations, and you will also find a link to the donate button on our website if you'd like to contribute to the Carrie Wilson Scholarship Program or to Pelicanus in general. Thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.